This episode of Tune on Toast is brought to you by Hammer Toyota. Here in Southern California, you know, they've been part of the podcast for about a year now. Also, the great humans at Hammer sponsor my afternoon show that I do on the radio, Booker and Striker on 98.7. You can stream that radio show on the iHeartRadio app, but Hammer is the best. I'm not saying go get a car this second or lease a car, but please keep them in mind. They love music. They support me. Please support the company that supports Tune on Toast. Johnny's the general sales manager. There's nothing better than when you have a contact at a car dealership. Johnny is my contact. I've been going to Hamer for over 10 years, and I am your hookup. Send me a DM. I'll give you Johnny's phone number, and I got the hookup. Hamer Toyota, out there in Mission Hills here in Southern California, H-A-M-E-R, HamerToyota.com. Let's get to the episode. Your name is Stryker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called tuna on toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music and I love those that created it. Stryker's here. Tuna on toast. Yes. Tuna on Toast. Yeah, welcome to another episode of Tuna on Toast. It is Ted Stryker. If this is your very first episode, the entire Tuna on Toast community welcomes you. Can you believe in October, it's going to be a year of Tuna on Toast? The point I would like to make to you, if it's your very first time, the community that listens to this podcast or watches it, because all the Tune on Toast episodes are available on my YouTube channel, Tune on Toast with Stryker. And quick side note, if you want to see what Jared is wearing, if you want to see the, oh, I wore this Hawaiian shirt for this interview. I don't know if it looks good on camera. Also, uh, I changed the color of my, my hair. It's all on YouTube. You can see those episodes. But the point is, community. It's a strong one. And of course, when it comes to Dirty Heads, I mean, they've been a band for 20 years, any port in a storm like 2008 and Lay Me Down. And you guys are going to hear so many great stories from Jared, both personal stories and band stories. They have built a fan base week by week, month by month, year by year that is so dedicated to the band. And that's what you want if you're in a business, whether it's a radio host, podcast host, comedian, or a band. You don't want it just to peak after one year. And that Dirty Heads fan base, that community, I give so much kudos to you and also to the band. It's like they give to you, you give back. And I feel like that's kind of similar with Tune on Toast. I mean, my bubble is 99% smaller than theirs, but it just feels like a very tight-knit family where everybody has each other's back. All right, Dirty Heads. They released their eighth full-length studio album called Midnight Control. I love the song Make Me. I love El Dorado. And I love their version, their take of Life's Been Good. And that thing is going up the charts very fast right now. What a great sing-along. What a great version they did. Jared Watson, this guy is a superstar in all ways. He's a superstar on stage. He's a great lyricist. He's self-aware. He's charming. He has movie star qualities about him. And he's also very funny. Maybe underrated funny he's open and let's get to some great stories some great history the past the present the future so without any further ado please welcome to the tuna on toast studio from dirty heads jared watson one 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 test one two yo check one two one two perfect thank you again for coming up here i was stuck i was so stoked when i heard it. i was like fuck yeah i need okay. a striker i'm 
because I know I'm going to get a good interviewer. Yes. You know, Hopefully. sometimes they just send me on these <laughs> interviews. And I'm like, fuck, it's like the person's first time. It's Wikipedia. Fucking oh, shit. Like, All right. I get a pro, you know. <laughs> All right. Thanks, I'm man. up there. Of course, man. Anytime that I can come up and talk to Stryker, I'm, I'm about it. Man, we've been... You've been there since day one. It feels like that. It, yeah, it ha- I mean, it's true. I know? mean, didn't... Okay, here's one memory I have. You and I walking on the Sunset Strip going to what was formerly the Key Club yeah. before you had officially released songs? Yeah. Yes. It's okay. been that long. Wow. So, like, kind of, like, before day one. <laughs> yes, before yeah. day one. Yeah. And was I uh, a nitwit? Was it a fun... T- I remember it being pretty fun hanging no, out. No, we were partying. It was a good time. Yeah, that was a, that was a great time. I and don't remember a lot of it. And Shadows of it. was there That's from why. Event Yeah, yeah. Fall. So, I was... So, Jimmy <laughs> called me and was like, hey, we're going to... I can't remember what we're Metal going, school. But, yeah, it was metal school, right. Yes. And Jimmy was supposed to play drums, and he, like, was not looking forward to it. He's like, I know they're going to fuck with me. Uh, yeah, and we went up and... and and uh, the guys were like peak Avenged Sevenfold partying and like picked me up in a limo and all this. Sh- I was like, what is going on? You right. Know? Yeah. Uh, you know, cause it was weird because they started in the same city we started. And like I had known Jimmy since like middle school. And it was just wow. cool to see them go this way and us go this way. But they're always just a little bit, you know, ahead of, ahead of us, a little bit bigger than us. So at the time I was like, holy shit, limos. We're going and getting like VIP. <laughs> we're getting walked in. Like at that time we didn't even have music out. So I was just like, oh, this is, it, was, it was inspiring. And that was the first time I met you. Yeah. And Jimmy did get up and play drums and they yes. fucked with him. And we got blacked out, wasted. And it was a good, uh, good old L.A. night. That was a great L.A. night. Yeah. When you saw the guys from Avenge doing so well, and you guys really hadn't done a ton at that point, did your goals seem unattainable? Or did they seem, oh, this is eh, this is what we do. I'm 20-something years old. It's going to be easy. I think it maybe made it more attainable. I knew we were going to make it, and, and I'm like the biggest overthinker on the face of the planet. Like, I'm working on it. Like, in therapy, I'm working on it. It's mm. an issue. Because I, you, you know, overthink. I overthink everything. So, you know, I figured out that I love this foot. It's $10,000. <laughs> it's made by some crazy artist, right? I buy it for my house. It's the greatest thing ever. I put it in my house, and I go, oh, my God, I shouldn't have bought that. Fuck, I shouldn't have bought that. Oh. Should I have bought that, Sean? Should I have bought that striker? Should I have bought this? And dude, my wife's just like, bro, shut, stop. Like, you know, I, and I do that with music. I do that with, ev- oh, I've done man. that my whole entire life. I'll do something and then I'll second guess it and then I'm dumb. And why didn't I do this? I do it with everything. But the one, I remember the one thing, it's so weird and I cannot explain why. The one thing that I was always completely sure of, and it was in my gut, and that's where I get a lot of like my anxiety and fe- all these feelings, and it was just like this feeling that every time I thought about music and every time I thought about the band, it was so calm and so like, yeah, this is going to happen. Like for sure. I never once had a doubt in my mind, and I'm not that type of person. Wow. Yeah, weird. Can you, through therapy or just your own instincts now as you've aged a little bit, matured a little bit, figure out why? You tick that way. Not the overthinking, but not when it comes to the music stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure yet. Oh, you're not, I'm sure, not yet. sure yet. <laughs> okay. We have 55 more minutes or so yeah. here, so maybe we can work on <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Avenge Sevenfold is going like this. I don't even remember the answer. How did you guys even start? Was it in high school in Huntington Beach? It was in high school, yeah. I was at a, a house party. My older brother was friends with Duddy's older brother. 
went to a house party. Duddy was playing on a on a cassette tape these raps, these like weird Al Yankovic raps. They were hilarious. Okay. They're about beating off in the bathtub, <laughs> guns that shot dicks, like typical fifteen year old like. All, you know, all we cared about was Wu Tang at the pro at the time. Like, all we cared about was Wu Tang Clan. So, like, we made this like faux, like fake Wu Tang Clan group. There was like twelve of us. We'd go to Duddy's house, soundproof garage. We would write these ridiculously absurd fifteen-year-old offensive raps, wow. right? And they were hilarious. Yes. They were so dumb and so bad. And then people just stopped showing up. And then it was just me and Duddy and like a keyboard and a guitar and like his recording stuff. And we were just like, we keep going. And then we we're like you're pretty good at these. And he's like, you're good at these too. And like started like kind of taking raps and like just learning verses from other MCs and stuff like that. And then playing off of them and like pretty much just not plagiarizing, but taking the cadence and putting my own like words and like being like, okay, I don't have to do this now. And then like, that's when I started being like, man, I think I can write raps on my own. And then so we started just writing songs on our own. And it was like a song called Antelope, a song called I Got No Time. That was like our first two songs that we wrote that were on this thing called the Dirty Demo that we put out. And our fans still want us to play those songs. Wow. And we were 16 at the time. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it literally started in Duddy's garage, like in his soundproof garage that his dad built. When you're talking about two voices, two MCs going back and forth, I think about the Beasties, who are, of course, three. Mm -hmm. But I also think about um, Be Real and Send Dog from yep. Cypress Hill. Yep. I even think about Mike and Chester from Linkin Park. 100%. So who were, are, am I on the right track with some of the bands that you were listening to yeah. and heard their voices going like this? 100%. Yeah, I mean, it, it mainly was Beastie Boys, right? Like, oh. that was it. Like, we knew it was Beastie Boys, Sublime, um, you know, Wu-Tang Clan had so many members. Um, there was another uh, group called Boot Camp Click that was from the East Coast. They had a bunch of members. Far Side. Oh, yeah, like, the Far Side. We loved yes. That's, like, one of my favorite, you know, groups and albums of all time. So, yeah, like, we knew that there was something cool and even slightly stupid, you know, they're a little bit older, but they were still around when we were playing. We're like, dude, two singers. That's cool. Two yes. different voices. That's cool. Right. You know, like there's just something about those duos, like even in comedy movies, whatever, that there's something kind of special because you get two different, two different voices, two different ideas, two different vibes. Um, so yeah, it just felt really natural and definitely BC boys and sublime. And the fact so that you could cool. blend a lot of stuff, and, right. you know, even Chester and, and Mike and Lincoln park, like they were blending genres, but they were doing it in a correct way. In my personal opinion, it wasn't totally. so confusing. You know, there's ways that you can do it where you're so confused. You're like, what is this band? You know, how many different music, like different music genres are going to play yes. each song. And I'm just confused. Like, but if you right. can do, if you can blend them cohesively, and and come up with a new sound that's exciting that's the key yeah. to it as yeah. well and i think right. maybe that's why we were so confident because i was just like dude nobody sounds like us like this is gonna probably be good at some points and be bad at some points but there's nobody out there that sounds anything like the dirty heads with your voice my voice what we do with reggae what we do with hip-hop what we do with alternative like nobody's doing this you know so maybe there was some confidence in that that i get excited when i hear original music i knew what we were putting out was original so I was like, yeah, this is going to work. Okay, so you've got two people who are very creative and things are going well. But at that age, and even if you're in your mid-20s, 30s, and 40s, you need both people to have the eye of the tiger. Yeah. Because if someone does not, the other guy's going to get resent, 
going to feel resentment yeah. towards that person, and most likely it's not going to happen. Yeah. So what was the eye of the tiger, the fire in the belly like for you guys then? It was that we we would chat about it, and he would see, oh, say the really? same thing. Yeah, I was like, really? man, I feel like this is going to happen. He'd be like, me too, bro. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, man, I, I sit up at night, and like... I don't get scared. He'd be like, me neither. And I was like, dang, you know, and he was already like, his mom can sing. His dad was like, uh, I think his dad was in, in plays or something. His dad might've been a musician, but um, his whole family's like really creative. Right. And like really their whole life was like music. So I think his, like all of his eggs were already in one basket. Right. He was already in a punk band. Yep. Like they had the soundproof garage. I, I had no, no plans on being a musician, which is still a really wild thing to look back and be like, wait, this is what I was supposed to do or what I am doing. Like, this is my purpose. Maybe purpose isn't the right word, but like, I'm very lucky that I found something that I love to do that I'm good at that we're successful at. You know, like that's, I feel like that's, you, you asked me a long time ago about what success was, you know, and I said, oh, I don't know. It's, you know, living slow and with my dogs. It was some lame answer because I was just on the spot and we were chatting. But, yeah. like, I thought about that for a while. I did because nobody has never asked me. And I was a little bit younger and I was like, you know, what is success? And, and now I think it's really I really think it's freedom. Right. Like, I think it's freedom in multiple ways. It could be financial freedom if that's what you want. It could be creative, creative freedom if that's what you want, but just like freedom to live life the way that you want. If you're able to live your life the way that you're, that you want, that's success to me. Right. Yes. And like, I've found something that one lets me do that. And two, I really love, you know? So it's like, that's success to me, but it doesn't have to be music and be whatever you don't. And you don't have, have to be, be a, financial. No, you don't even have to be a millionaire. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. No, it doesn't have right. to be. If your only goal is to be financially free and then tell everybody to fuck off and do nothing forever and follow your hobbies. Great. But yeah, there's different levels of it. But if you have that freedom to live life, however it is, that to me is success on whatever level, right? Yes. Yeah. And you know what? I think it can change over time. What success means to the individual. Sure. Because, this is all about you, but my quick answer for me at this point in my life is how much time do I have in my, oh, I have three hours of free time today. That to me is success. I earned this three hours from putting in this freaking 30 hours of being on the dumb radio. Sure. TV for all uh, these of course. Years. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, you're paying, you, and everybody says paying their dues. And it's like, I guess, yeah, you, you pay your dues, but you're working towards something, you know? Right. And you do get to a level where you're like, okay. I deserve this, you know, like, and, and, and if you're out there feeling guilty about it, don't feel guilty about it. You deserve it. You worked your ass off. Enjoy it. Question for you then. Do you feel like you've made it? No, you no. Oh, uh, okay. well, well, no. Um, I don't know. That's a weird meaning. Uh, do you still feel like someone's going to, or have you ever felt like someone's going to take this all away from you? And if you don't think about this business and the music and the tour and being on top of everything that it's going to go away. Right. So if, if that is, is if that's what we're basing on made it, then no, I don't feel that. Cause that fear, which I think is very healthy, which I like to kind of keep around like yes. that's anxiety that I'm like, all right, cool. I still, <laughs> I still am like, you know, and, and the whole band is like this, like we get off stage and we're immediately talking about what went wrong? What went right? How can we better? Every single wow. night, every single show, we give a shit. We are still, we we do still feel like we can get bigger and better and more successful and write better music and reach more people. So no, I, I don't think that we're at the point to where I've made it. I, I feel like there is a day that I deserve to be like, cool, I'm going to put it on cruise control we've done what we've come here to do. And like, and, and I don't think that's anytime soon, but like, I can see, you know, I've met older, older, older musicians and artists and you're like, ah, that, that's cool. 
that's cool. I get that. You know, they get to play music when they want to play music. They get to spend time with their families and kind of, like you said, do what they want to do, right. you know, and have that freedom. I don't want that yet because I feel like we have a lot more to do, right? That's yeah. a great feeling to have, a natural feeling, right. not contrived, because that will really drive you to keep this thing going yeah yeah like if i felt like i've made it then i wouldn't come up here and do this podcast i wouldn't sit in the studio for 14 hours i wouldn't (laughs) sit up at night thinking like how can i be a better singer how can i be a better lyricist what did what what didn't work on the last album what did work on the last album you know all those overthinking things i think are good at that point because i'm just kind of like looking and trying to better myself as a musician as a songwriter right and i'm still in it i'm still loving it like but yeah i feel like there's going to come a day where i'm like all right man i'm cruising and i deserve to cruise you know and i want that that financial freedom i want that wherever i'm like i you know i don't want to tour for a while right (laughs) it's chill like but i think that's a long way away um i may be overthinking this you had a song spread too thin off your second album. Mm-hmm. I mean, things were going so crazy mm-hmm. in your lives. Then you put out the song, which I still love. Yeah. And then a song called Celebrate, as you know, I really love. Yeah. And now you do the cover, Life's Been Good. Yeah. And it's like, we're going to be in the water, in the pool. We're doing this. I've made it. Yeah, I got it. And so it's almost, it feels like, and I don't know if it's on purpose, it's come like you were here and now it's like, hey, here we go. That's crazy. Because I kind of do feel like that. Like, I'm definitely having more fun now and like way more confident. And like maybe, yeah, that probably has to do with the fact that we're a more successful band. That makes things easier on the road. That makes things easier at home. I got money in the bank, you know, like all of those things. So it's like, yeah, it, but that song is also very tongue in cheek. But yeah, spread too thin. I was like freaking out, like yeah. learning the music industry. I'm young. It's like, damn, like you, this is a fucking gnarly, you know, <laughs> like and then celebrate was just like this beautiful song that was just like, OK, people don't really know, like what gets taken away to like put in the success. And then life's been good. It's just this like tongue in cheek, like, yes. you know, kind of ridiculous song about like just fucking off and, and you know, having a bunch of money and this and that. And like, not that we're these like giant rock stars like Joe Walsh or anything, but we liked the take on it and that we are probably in a little bit more comfortable spot when it comes to that. And we could still make it tongue in cheek and like being sober, being healthier mentally, being healthier physically. Like I'm just enjoying my job a lot more. I'm enjoying this, this whole journey a lot more back then. I think I was just fucking stressed and scared and like, partying and just getting through it you know and now it just feels like a lot more stable and a lot it's a lot like i'm telling you man i enjoyed i'm having more fun now and i'm loving it more now and i have more fire now than i have you know since i was 16 you know it it definitely goes like that and i'm you know it's on up right now so good for you yeah before we talk about the new record and some other things i'm doing a quick dirty heads trivia game with you yeah sick what okay um (laughs) Here we go. Huh? So if this was Jeopardy, the category would be in quotes, dirty heads. Okay. Okay. So it's rapid fire. If you don't, can't think of it, say pass and we'll, we'll go All to right. the next I'll one. I'll take dirty heads for 500. Check okay. Here we go. In this movie, a Clark W. Griswold drives the family to Wally World. What is uh, National Lampoon's family vacation? Vacation. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, this yellow sour candy at one point was a Halloween favorite. What is a lemon head? Bam. Okay, nobody puts baby in the corner in this movie. Fuck. Uh, pass. What's the name of the category? Dirty heads? Uh, pass. We'll pass. Back. Okay, Clint Eastwood was this badass cop in this movie. What is Dirty Harry? 
Tears for Fears sang this lyric to the song I'm looking for. I want it to be with you alone. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this 1987 high school movie starred Mark Harmon as Mr. Shoop, and there was a character named Chainsaw in it. What? Pass. What? Wait. Uh, are we doing? Is that? Um, I was thinking my own sweet summer. Summer school is the movie. Summer school. The other Damn one it. you didn't get. Dirty dancing. Then you got Dirty Harry, and then who's um, the baby in the corner? That's the movie called Dirty Dancing. Patrick Swayze. Oh, and Jennifer that's the, Gray. I, whoa. You know what's weird? What? You were mind mind mind. Uh, you know, it puts the lotion in the basket. Oh, Silence of the Lambs, I already, I went immediately to a horror movie. I was like, yo, or like, uh, uh, yeah, Blair Witch or the guy standing in the corner. I was like, oh, somebody put baby in the corner. Like, I thought, I've never seen Dirty Dancing. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And then. I thought that was a horror see. movie reference. Tears for Fear song is um, Head Over Heels. Okay. So it was. Okay. I was trying to incorporate. I got that. All dirty. So what did I get? Like three or four? You got a uh, three out of five. Sixty percent. It's not bad. D stands for I'll diploma. Take it. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> so Mike from Incubus has been in here recently. Also Brian from Silver Sun Pickups, and they both said the following a different way. They have so much material in their career. They feel so comfortable at this point that if they don't make any more songs. They're good, but they're still going to tour like crazy. Has that ever crossed your mind? Like, eh, we're, I, I don't know if we have it in us to go make four more albums after this. Where do you stand on that? Absolutely not. I don't think we're at their level yet. Uh, I just watched Incubus the other night. And like, Incubus is one of my favorite bands. Like, I am a diehard, like, lifer when it comes to Incubus, right? Oh, wow, like, Brandon wow. Boyd has been such an inspiration. I yeah. got to see him. It was insane. Their catalog is insane. I agree with that. Right. And they had been a band before us. Like they're a little bit ahead of us, maybe 10 years or something. Right. right? It's 20 years today, by the way, that their yeah. album science came out today as we sit here. Yeah. That's wild. Um, yeah. If I was Mike, I could, I could 100% see why he would feel that way, but, uh, not for us yet. Not for us yet. And I definitely don't feel like, I feel like this album, especially just from the feedback from our fans is our best album. It's definitely like other than any port in a storm and maybe cabin. Cause like you're going to have those feelings of finding us, right? Those yes. are when a lot of people found us. Yes. And those are always your favorite albums. I get that. I know what worked and what didn't looking back and what mistakes we made and these weird things that happen in those albums in between then and now, but this album, like I can for sure say, and a lot of fans agree with me, this is our most solid best album that we've had since our first album. I feel like we're just going to get better. And I tell my manager this all the time. I, I'm going to go, we're going to go out. Like we're going to chill and hit that cruise control on top. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. a lot of bands do this and then do this and right. then that, or a lot of bands do this and it's weird. Or, you know, like they blow up overnight and then they steady do this. We've just been, even if you look at numbers, like even just on a business like on, on a on a business model, just every year, just slow oh, and steady, great, just to train, just great. slow and steady. Nothing's been going crazy, just slow and steady. Every year, we just get a little bit bigger, a little bit. That's fine. That's great with me. I love that. Yes. I think that's good for us, and especially myself, just the way I think. Like I just want to go, oh, go, 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 and then boom, hit it here, and then cool. That's when I'll be like, all right, 
we're cruising now, you know? I don't want to, like, put out a couple albums that are, like, all right. And I think that's that's probably what Mike and those guys are talking about. You don't want to just keep putting out music that might not be as great as it was. Maybe something's missing. Maybe you guys have done it too long. And, like, I understand that. And people have to understand that, too. Um, But right now, for us, no. I think we can – I just wrote the best album that we've ever written. And I think we're going to write a couple more. And I think we're literally just getting better. I agree with everything you said about the quality of the new album. 1,000%. Thank you, sir. Make Me, where did that come along? Like, where in the process? Uh, I think that was three or four songs into it. And, and who that brought was, the idea? That was Ryan. So this is the thing, too, about about like, about like where we're at. I, know, I personally know how to build the team that I want. And before, I didn't. We were meeting songwriters. We were driving to L.A. every day. We were writing with a new, like, it was like speed dating. We'd, we'd, we'd have seven sessions in seven days with seven different guys, you know, on some of these albums. And that's just like, what the fuck is going on? You're meeting guys that just want singles on the radio, and they're just doing what other bands are doing, and you're, like, getting pushed and pulled, and you're like, Ugh. After a while, I'm like, fuck this. I know, and, and I met Ryan Ogren through that and um, the producer that produced this album yes. and he's killing it. He's doing Doja Cat. He's doing uh, Kid Leroy. He MGK. He's crushing. But we've been friends for a long time. We've only been to do. We've only been able to do spot songs with him. And every song is like, dude, you get us. And I sit and I we talk and I mean, you get us. And he the tones that he has, the way we write together. I'm damn, you get us. So you get to a level where I'm like, we're writing with Ryan. We're going to go with Ryan. I'm going to go talk to him and he's going to do the whole album. I'll make, I'm going to make him do this. You know, he's not used to just doing full albums. Yeah. So I'm just in a spot where it's like, I know the mixers I want. I know, you know, you're in, you're more professional now. And we've been doing it for a while. Like I know how to build a team. I'm like, yo, I'm going to get with Ryan. So we knew we had something special with Ryan and I knew we worked really well. And, you know, everybody would bring in ideas throughout the whole thing and, Ryan brought in Make Me, and the melody was, was, this is so funny, the melody was crazy to me, but the lyric was crazy, and I was like, no, I'm not doing you crazy, and I'm like, no, and then what about Baby, and I'm like, definitely not Baby, (laughs) right, so me and Ryan, like, so he kind of already had, like, this really awesome melody, um, which he is, his melodies are insane. I love to play off his melodies. So I love to play off of mine. We really get along when it comes to like our ears, when it comes to melodies really are similar. And yeah, so we, we took a couple days and that one was a little tough because I we had the song we, just so you know, uh, me too. Like, okay. yeah, I love that song. So, I mean, I love every song. Like there's no, there's not one song on this album that I don't like that. I don't love. There's no, in my personal opinion, you can't poke holes in this album. I'm sure people will try, but whatever. Uh, I won't agree with it, <laughs> but yeah. So make me was funny because me and Ryan were kind of going back and forth on what that ache make babe, like whatever syllables those were going to be for, for make me. And it ended up that we found like something about, you know, I was thinking about my partner and, and, um, some people in the past my life that it's just that person that you can be around that makes you want to be a better person or, allows you to feel like who you authentically should be. And once we landed on that, we're like, okay, make me make sense. Cause we came up with make me first. And then it was like, make me what, you know, we're like, make me crazy, make me happy, make me. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's just make me like, I love the way you make me. That's it. Like that's, there's nothing after that. And that I, I love writing songs. That's one of my favorite parts about writing songs is to kind of figure out that put the puzzle pieces together talk it out in the room that shit's really cool so ryan uh yeah ryan came in with that melody and it ended up being and it would make me wow thank yeah. you for sharing that story yeah. what about your bandmates matt and john and duddy and david like do you guys feel as 
cohesive as you've ever felt? Yeah. Is the bond and the vibe good with everybody? I think so because we're all like uh, like real adults now, <laughs> you know, and we all know that we want to do this. And like yeah. we all know that we have flaws and we're all okay with those flaws. We all know that we're great people at the end of the day. Every one of the guys is a, an amazing human being, father, friend, all these things. So if there's little things, because you're in a tour bus, like understandably you're around any human for that amount of time. We've gone through the fights. We've gone through the drunken messes. We've gone through it. And now we're just like, bro, we don't have the time or energy. We all want to do this. We all love this. And we're all friends. And like, we've watched the documentaries about other bands. So, um, but when it comes to like being cohesive and playing, I don't play an instrument, right? So those guys are so inspiring. And I'm, I feel really lucky because I don't ever have to worry about it because they're all, in my mind, so good. Right? They're so yes. tight. Like Matt, and John and Dave are so, are so tight. Duddy is so creative. Like, you know, so we have this. And then now we have Sean playing keys. And we have Ruben and Mark on horns. And Ruben and Mark are doing backups with me now. And that's made me want to become a better singer. I got a new vocal coach. I'm like, dude, if anybody, I got to step up to these motherfuckers <laughs> levels. Because before... I was just a rap, like I was just a rapper and like my whole thing was like almost to be a hype man and party and make people have a good time. I never thought about like pitch and if I'm a professional, I was like, no, I write bars. I write good songs. I can go up on stage and just yell and like, you know, you've seen hip hop shows. I didn't, I yeah. just never thought about it. And, um, you know, being around these guys so much, my thing now is like, and it's cool. It's now I, I work on, I have something else to work on. I want to be as consistent as my drummer and my percussion player, my bass player as a singer, you know, cause those guys are so consistent and so good and only getting tighter that I never have to worry about the band where I'm not like, Oh, we're going to have a bad set or they are going to forget their parts. They're not going to learn the song. I'm like, no, I send them the stuff and they show up and they crush it. I, I, I want them to expect that from me. So Jared, you've had all this success. You go to a vocal coach or vocal teacher, like yeah. what are they teaching you in this? Well, this is crazy because I've had mo I've had like two or three, right? And I never felt like they worked. And they were always, what I noticed with my new vocal coach, Colin, is the ones I went to before were always pop vocal coaches. They were mainly doing pop and they were doing a lot of females. So the way that they were teaching me to sing never felt right in it. I, I still always felt pitchy and it was like really hard to hit these high notes. So I get with Colin and Colin's background is opera mm -hmm. and it's full. And it's like, a, you know, like it's not these high pop things. And he, so he taught me how to like sit with on my voice and sit lower on my voice. And like the direction of where I'm singing and how I'm singing should be going this way, not that way. When I'm thinking, when I used to think of a high note, I would think of everything getting tight and everything going forward. He's like, I want you to think of everything getting heavy and everything going back mm. on your high notes. You know, so he's like, it's weird. He's teaching me to sing in a more masculine, full way because I have a higher pitch, you know, like a kind of a higher tone. Yeah. So it's cool to like feel and like learn and like know where it should sit in my like actually in my throat, in my mouth, in my in my chest. Like, oh, and so now when I hit notes, I'm like, dude, this is dope. And like, just be confident and like fill it in. And I think like, when I was younger, I wasn't thinking about it. And I watched videos and go, oh, I was saying that really well. And then I got to the middle and I'm like, man, why am I so pitchy for this tour and that tour and this tour? I was in my head. I didn't know I was partying. I didn't know what I was doing. Maybe I didn't care. Maybe it was these excuses. But, uh, you know, this last tour, now that I have this new vocal coach yeah. and he's teaching me how to sing full and like masculine and fill it out and like not be tight with high notes and not be scared of high notes and be confident and ballsy. Like this last tour, like... 
was probably the best I've sang. And the guys like came up and like shook my hand, like whatever nice. you're, whatever you're doing, good, keep good, doing good, it, you good. know? Okay. You know, cause they know, and they're such pros. They're like, God damn it, Jared, you're good tonight. You weren't good tonight. Get out of your head. So it's something that bothered me for a long time. Um, or at least the last couple tours. Now that I like when I got over that, Hey, I'm just a party rapper. Right. Um, so yeah, now I've been working on it and it's just been feeling better and better. And, um, and it's a lot and, of guts and, to do yeah. that, man, I to go it. to the singing coach and then, Use what you learned and apply it on stage. I'm thinking like about golf. If I go get a lesson in golf, yeah. sure, in the driving range, I can hit 10 good ones in a row. But when it's showtime, I'm hitting into the houses off the fairway. I'm yeah. like, I'm just going to go back to my old ways. Yeah. It's, oh, so, I, I, yeah. No, that happens. That, that definitely happens. I'll be like, damn it. But sometimes it's so small that you know people don't notice or whatever. But yeah, I was just, I think I was being taught not, not wrong. But I wasn't being taught for my vocal style and my and my vocal cords. And I, f I finally found somebody. It's just like Ryan. Like, you have to find a good producer that fits for you. You know, it's a, like music is a lot like relationships. Bands are a lot like relationships. Like, you have to find a partner that works really well for you. Not just because yes. they're hot. Not just because mm -hmm. sex is good. Not just because whatever. You know, they, you have to really vibe on different levels. And uh, they have to really get you. And, and, you know, when it comes to bands, producers, vocal coaches, you have to find the right one and when you do you'll be like oh yeah what was i doing with that last <laughs> one i can't believe you know what i'm saying so it's just all about finding the right person and i'm, I'm lucky to have colin i'm lucky that, that ryan's been around and been such a good friend and producer and you know we're in a good spot oh. what yeah. are a couple of the songs that you guys play live that are really have uh, made a difference with the new vocal coach so when i go see you and i'm listening I'm, mm. you guys are playing a couple of these songs so i'm like oh okay this is the one he's been working on yeah um there were certain parts of My Sweet Summer that mm. were pitchy and weird. Um, definitely, like, uh, Heavy Water is a new one that I was scared, like, that I was going to be pitchy, and it's not. Shit, I'd have to see the set list, because now I just feel like I'm not scared of anything. There, there was songs where I was like, damn it, the guys really want to play this one tonight. I'm like, fuck, that, you know, I'm not, I don't feel that great singing that one, you know? And now there's there's none, you know? Um, Oxygen, oh, Burn Slow, the ones I'm more belty, yeah. and I used to, like, definitely think that I had to like sing higher, you know, it's like, nah, and get thin and all this. It's like, nah, like I'm belting burn slow now and it's like thick and I'm sitting on it and it feels good. It feels like the album. So definitely like burn slow and the ones I'm probably like kind of yelling, not yelling, but belting a little bit. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. I love my sweet summer. And yeah. I remember texting you all those years ago. I played it. I think I got to world premiere it on my show at 420. Yeah. Um, and I remember you started off the song, my sweet summer is gone. And that was like the hooky part of the song. That I remember you put this. in yeah. the very the beginning. Front. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not a producer or anything, but I love that. I know. I, I, I totally remember you saying that. I was like, Oh, he gets it. I'm like, this guy's biggest up on like this, <laughs> the structure of this song. Cause it wasn't like the lot of structure of the other songs on the radio at the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just cool to play around structure and. And it just feels better. We even did that with, with this album. There was a couple songs that we had that we were like, okay, these feel good. Uh, Indigo. There's a song called Indigo. And I was like, this feels good, but something, I'm not, something doesn't grab me off the top, you know? And like, you do have to realize there's a lot of music out there and people have a very short ex attention span. Absolutely. Ryan was like, I know the move. And he just moved the chorus at the front. We were like, ah, there it is. There it is right There's there. a song. Yeah. Right. Before it was like a rap. And then it was, you know, eight bars until you got to the hook. And you're like, oh, this rap is cool. This verse is amazing. It tells a story, but I'm not getting into the song. And, you know, just move the chorus over and now it hits and it bangs. And it's like, you know, it's just another song I love on the album. Speaking of attention spans, on TikTok or anywhere, you got like three seconds to grab somebody. Yeah. If it takes 10 seconds, most likely you're not going to go viral. Mm. 
your song Vacation ends up going viral, the vacation transition and all that. The song had been out for such a long time. Did you know that this was coming? No. No. I I had called it like, well, I knew it was, I knew it was going to work in our world. Like once radio said, you know, we're not going to play vacation. It's not working. We don't like it. We don't need it. We don't want it. Whatever. Radio was saying that. Yeah. Like we tried. Oh yeah, my yeah, god. like I'm pretty sure we tried. I, there I'm, are some I'm per- of the dumbbell executives. <laughs> yeah. My god, yeah. So no, we for <laughs> sure tried to push that as a single, and it, and it just you know didn't work. People didn't want it. Wasn't what they were looking for. That's fine. And I was like, man, our fans are going to fucking love this song. This is going to be a fan fr- favorite. It's fine because our fans are going to stream it, listen to it. I guarantee we're going to play this at shows, and people are going to love it. Yeah. And it was, and it was, it was already really popular at our show before it went viral. We were still playing it towards the end because it was one of the more popular songs, right? It just goes to show you, like, nobody knows. Nobody yes. knows. You know, right. and then Running Up the Hill comes, and that song's, what, 30 Came years old? Came out in 1985. Years, yeah, exactly, yeah. 40 years old. And that's the cool thing about streaming and social media now. There's there's pros and there's cons. Yes, there's fucking, I, we're older. Like, I don't give a shit. I don't want to do TikToks. I don't want to do this, whatever. I think it's taking away from music, but I also think it's giving you know, a lot of other ways for people to blow up and it's showing people like there's less gatekeepers is what I'm saying. Like nobody told somebody on TikTok to make that and make it viral. All the people, the listeners just went, oh, we like this. There's no gatekeepers. You can't, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, you don't have to go, you don't necessarily have to go out and say, please play our song or these radios and these execs and they can pick which one is right. You just put it out online and that's right. It's cream's gonna rise to the top. Teenage Dirtbag by Weedus is back. Yeah, I played that song when it came out twenty something years ago right. on the radio. Loved it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And played it, played it, played it. Ah, that's knocking me on the other. And then bam, here it is. Yeah, going viral. Everyone yeah. wants to hear the song. Yeah, again. it's like a good song. It's a good song, and it's cool because yes. every fucking like I I had a Zeppelin stage right. I didn't grow up in the sixties right. and seventies right, <laughs> but like it's the late nineties. I'm in high school. And I'm buying the box set because it's amazing, right? Yeah, but you could only hear. You know, Zeppelin on, you know, what, KLOS? Yeah, right. so I was like, okay. I, but now, like, if a Zeppelin song blows up, it's going to blow up uh, anywhere, everywhere, over the, the whole entire world. The planet's going to take over. Internet's going to grab it. Streaming's going to grab it. Social's going to grab it because it was a great song. And, and right. music is that's timeless, it. and it doesn't yes. matter, you know? So that's what's really cool about streaming social media is that, like, Billie Holiday is crushing in lo-fi. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, there's just so much cool shit that I listen to that when something pops up, you're like, yes. And the th- the fact that it's on TikTok and TikTok, what's the what's the demographic there? Sixteen? Yeah, right. It's getting higher though by the week. Sure, everyone's jumping on it. But right, yes. and I understand that, but that's cool. That makes me happy because it doesn't matter. Like these kids aren't. They yes, there are new artists that are their age that they're going to understand and they're going to you know that's going to be their band of their high school. But you can still, when you're sixteen, you can still love Billie Holiday. When you're sixteen, you can still love. Led Zeppelin, whether it's 2020, 2010, 2019. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But it doesn't matter. Dirty Heads Vacation. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's a 16 year old now or a 16 year old in 30 years. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) This, everything you're saying, I've been thinking and expressing to people for so long. A good song is a good song. I don't know, a couple years ago. Actually, it was a while now. I keep saying a couple years ago, but it was a long time ago. There was this game called Fallout New Vegas. 
Okay. It's one of the greatest video games of all time. If you play games, you get it. What is it called? Fallout. There's well, it's Fallout, and then there's Fallout New Vegas, and okay. all they play is like 1940s kind of jazz, <laughs> you know. And it's like this really dope, old school kind of weird, obscure 1940s jazz. Um, and now I'm obsessed. I have been obsessed. Like, I have 1940s playlists. Like, I probably listen to. That's in the last five years, I've listened to that era of music over any other music. Really? And I found it from a video game. Yeah, wow. it's like Ella Fitzgerald and the yes. Ink Spots. You know, I don't want to set the world on fire. Right. It's that yeah. shit. And it's just like, it's just so soothing and so cool. But that shit was in the 40s, right? Right. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's 2020. And I just found it now recently. And I'm like, oh, this is the best. Yeah. And now I'm noticing that it's kind of popping up in lo-fi remixes. And I'm like, yes, this is cool. Like, good music is good music, you know? It right. doesn't matter. And back then, like, I don't even know... There was not execs. There wasn't the machine that we had now. I'm sure what there was, but I don't know if it was. It's, it had to be different back then, you know. Now you're talking about 40s, 50s. Time. Yeah, like right. How did people get their music? Yeah, right. Like I had a fucking on the big fucking. <sighs> that was straight gramophones, sousaphones, whatever right. the fuck it was. Like exactly. what? There was probably a, a, two radio stations. Like maybe there was just one gatekeeper. I don't know. But there were saying, very, very few radio different. stations. Yeah, yeah. And if you heard it and you found out that that artist or band was coming to your town and you would see them play, that was, that was everything. Yeah, it was right probably there. harder and back then. It was probably even worse. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that there are times after you guys do a show where you huddle up and figure out how can we do better? Are there any examples recently of how you thought you could have been better at a live show as a group? I I really let the guys when it comes like Maddie is kind of our musical director, mm. so um, he'll usually kind of spearhead that, and then I'll let him know how I feel like if it's you know if, if it's working or, or not, and, you know. Um, so those guys kind of powwow about that a little bit more, you know. Just it's small things like where a stop should be, you know, they'll, they'll work on like this stop or like mm. that stop or, or that, um, bridge kind of like now that we can, ha now that we have more freedom to jam, like they'll have these jam parts, right. Where, or we can go from song to song without stopping. Uh, that's really where they're kind of working on that stuff. And me, it's always like, damn, I missed that note. Fuck. I missed that note. And they know, and they'll be like, and I don't even need to talk to them. And they'll be like, Oh, why are you, you know, like, it's not even like a, it's not even like a, you okay. It's like, we get off stage and it was like, how was it? And I'm like, and they're like, all right, you know, and I'm like, and then they're all, you know, how was it? And I'll be like, yes. And they'll be like, I know, you know, and we try and big each other up too. Like, yo, you killed it tonight. Like I noticed, you know, you really fucking crushed it tonight. And I will say, you know, say that to John or Matt or somebody like, it's so funny when you play with, with these guys for 20 years, like, you know, when they just have like that little extra that night and you're like, man, you really fucking nailed it tonight. Even though nobody else would notice, right. nobody would notice, but I noticed that extra 10% you gave, you know, or when they come up and they're like, dude, you know, tonight you crushed it. You were pitchy. You nailed everything. That just makes me super fucking happy. Cause really I'm not, I, I don't think it's so noticeable to the crowd unless I have some vocal issue um, that I'm necessarily worried about that. I'm more so worried about the fucking pros behind me. Like I want to make them happy. I want to like make them impressed. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it's so noticeable that I'm like, shit, I played a terrible show tonight. And if I did, it's probably cause I was sick or I had something going on with my vocal cords and that's always frustrating. But usually when it comes to the little things, I'm just trying to like, keep up with the guys behind me you know you mentioned like a little extra five percent here or ten percent here that's what separates good artists from great ones or good doctors from great ones whatever sure. it is because if you do 10 things five percent extra that's 50 percent right there damn i mean this and it adds up every yeah. night like 
the, those little percentages really mean something in the long run. And if there's people that are throwing in the towel because they don't want to give that extra 5%, there's no way they're going to get to the level that they think they should be at. Okay. Just give me that for <laughs> this fucking guy. You should do this for a living, dude. You should talk to people. Fucking <laughs> keynote speaker. I'm like, oh, let's play a show. I'm like, I want to go rehearse tomorrow. I'm like, all right, boys. We're getting a rehearsal. We don't have a show for fucking four weeks, but right. we're going. All right, I'm pumped. That's good, man. Um, You're right. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, man. No, thank you. Um, do you enjoy more than ever being on the road? Is it, is it like still fun or does it feel, look, if you say it, it's, it feels like work, that's not a bad thing because no. it's, it's your career. Yeah, but you got to be realistic. What does it feel like yeah. at this age in you are, you have a child yep. and a partner yes. and more yep. responsibility and yes. you can't be acting like a fool like right. maybe we all did at some point? I do enjoy it more now. I do. I enjoy it more now. One, uh, and I'm just, this is just the reality of life. I do get to get away from my responsibilities and that, you know, and that's, I love my partner so much and she takes care of that. And I, I'm so glad for her because she is okay with that. Right. You know, she jumped on this train. She knew what she was getting into when I met her. Right. Right. Um, and this has been a dream of mine since day one. So I can't feel guilty about that, that I do have to, you know, leave my family for, you know, two months. Right. But this is my dream and, and, I, and I'm living it. Right. So I don't feel guilty about that. And at this point, it's what I, what you, sh what you, some people might, you think you should feel guilty about is I get to go and sit on a nice big tour bus, a nice air conditioned tour bus with video games and whatever amenities I need. And there's catering three times a day and it's healthy or not healthy. I can choose. I can work out. I have no responsibilities right. <laughs> all day. I get up, I work out, I eat healthy. I do my vocal exercises and I work for an hour and a half. That's pretty fucking dope. Like, yes. I love that now. And I don't got to worry about the kid's school. I don't got to worry about this. She'll call me and I'll FaceTime. I'll help, right? But it is nice. You're like, damn, I'm getting a break. Like, should I feel bad about this? No, I shouldn't feel bad about this. So, um, and then just physically and mentally, I'm in a better spot. So I do really uh, enjoy the shows and I really enjoy touring because we, you know, we tour in the summertime and it's it's nice and sunny and we play these outside venues yes. and uh, you know, like, like I said, we just paid our dues to where it's comfortable now. Like touring, a lot of people say, Oh, they, even fans, I, I feel bad. They're like, dude, you, you know, sacrifice so much your life and touring must be so hard. And I'm like, I, I really appreciate you thinking that like it, it was, it was gnarly when we were sacrifice, sacrificing a lot of our lives, sitting in a fucking van with 12 of us eating dollar menu for 10 years and playing to 10 people like that was fucking gnarly. That was hard. And missing birthdays, missing missing holidays, missing everything. Right. Being, you know, that was fucking heavy. It's not heavy anymore. Like, it's not, touring is not hard. It's pretty nice now. The only thing that is hard is that I miss my family. And sometimes I'll fly them out and sometimes I can't. And sometimes, you know, it's just like a perspective thing where you look back and where we came from and be like, oh, no, that was hard. This isn't that hard, you know? Um, yes, yes. And our fan base has grown and, and the community that we've built or that they've built has grown. And um, we're just really proud of it. And yeah, I just, I, I have a fucking great time, man. We get to go out and work for three months out of the year and come home and write music and do what we want the rest of the year. Like I can't ask for much more. And that's why I don't want to lose it. I don't want to slow down. I don't want to get complacent. Like I want to get better and better and, and just keep going while we can. And, you know, eventually one day they'll be like, all right, we did it. We're here. And I don't know. And, and enjoying that journey. I used to only think I'd enjoy the goals that I'd get. Then we'd get to that goal, and I would not enjoy that goal because I'd have a new goal. Yes. That was my big thing. Right. So now I'm actually enjoying coming up and doing podcasts and having conversations, good conversations, and going on tour and seeing new cities. And I'm thinking about that day rather than, like, the end of tour. 
I used to only think about the end of tour, you know, because touring was hard. Now it's not so hard. So now I'm like, cool, what am I going to do today? <laughs> you know, and it's a lot more enjoyable. When the songs were pretty much only available 10, 15 years to hear on the radio, or if you had a CD or maybe, I guess, on YouTube at that time, did you constantly keep track of how many spins total are we getting in the United States with our song this week? Did you look at that kind of stuff, or you just, the chips will fall where they're going to fall, and we're going to keep doing our thing? Yeah, that's funny. So there's, there's, I think I might be the only one in the band that is the chips will fall where they're going to fall oh, guy. Uh, yeah. So I don't. I don't look at numbers. I don't Good look at streaming. You. I stop looking Jesus. at comments. I just don't care anymore. I just, it's what's going to happen is going to happen, right? There's nothing I can do about that other than, you know, work hard and show up when I'm supposed to show up and show up the best version, right? The rest of the guys, like, even now, like, um, Life's Been Good is number seven on all yes. radio, right? Yes, it is. And I'm in this thing, and I'm almost like, take me off this thing. Yeah. It almost, because it almost gives me anxiety. I'm like, I don't, I don't fucking care. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I don't want to know what it's doing. I know it's going to do well. I just, do people sing it when we play the show? Yeah. So it's like the rest of the guys are like, they're checking out. I like that because we need that. And it's what we've also done in the band is we delegate now, right? Like, so I do music videos. Like, I'm the, Love the video. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes video. they suck and sometimes they're good, but I'm the music video guy, right? Right? Me and John John are the art when it comes to me. John and Dave are the art when it comes to merch. Dave also spearheads that. John John spearheads all the posters that you see. He gets all the artists. Maddie's the musical director. You know, Duddy's doing social media. Like we've noticed that like this is a million dollar business, right? And you're leaving a lot of things up to management and the label. And I think that's where a lot of bands get unhappy. So it's like, let's not leave as much up to them. Let's work more and help them and look at it like we really do on this business. We, we're not just going to make music and uh, just be the creative guys, right? Like now we're like, okay, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to do the, like, I'll do a little bit more of the press. You know, I'll, you do that, whatever. Like now we're taking parts of there's so many moving parts that we're making them our jobs. Right. Uh, and that's working really well. And I'm definitely not the like, keep up with numbers guy. I'm like, I don't care what the streams are at. I don't care what life's been good as at. Like, that's not, I just don't care. I just, I, I don't care. I think it's a great song. It's going to happen when it's going to happen. That's my manager's, that's my manager's job. And the rest of the guys, they want to stick with it and keep up with it. Like, that's fine. You know, I don't want to know. I don't care. Tell Brain. me when it gets number one. It's it's going, yeah. it's going that way. <laughs> yeah. And if it doesn't, cool. Right now, The Killer's Boy is number one. Okay. Case it, which is the best song they've made in a while. It's Sick. awesome. Yeah, Brad, it's good. good. Yeah. yeah, good, good. I'm glad it. that it's a good song. It is. It's a really, really <laughs> yeah. good song. But the advice, it wasn't even advice. How you guys are operating right now is great advice for anybody in a creative space. You really, yeah. at the end of the day... No one's going to care about you more than yourself. Right. Yeah. And so, look, we've got these guys in the band. You do this, I'll do this, do this. It's going to be better in the long run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Find, find what you like in yeah. in this. In these, in the, there's so many moving parts. Like, so just find what you're good at, and then you're the guy for that. You know, and once we noticed that John John kept finding these cool artists for this these posters, you know, every night that's, there's like 60, 80 posters, right. In a tour, and John John's going to have to find 60 to 80 artists to do these. That's like a lot of work. Right. It is. And so he does that and it's sick. And like, that's a, that's the 5% that I feel like some other bands don't do. That's that extra 5%, you know, or we just kept doing these music videos that like, we just kept getting duped on. These guys would just show us this inspiration board and they show these other videos and they'd be so sick and mm -hmm. we'd give them all this money. And then we'd get our thing back and be like, 
this is not what you promised us. You know, this is God. not the, it is not the fucking hamburger on the billboard. Like you see the McDonald's <laughs> hamburger on the billboard and you're like, yo, dope. They're like, you're getting that. And then you get the wrapper and there's like the fucking cheese is falling off. And you're like, sauce is messy. Like, that happens so many times that I was like, you know oh, what? Man, I've watched I'm how sorry. this is done. Fuck it. I'm doing the music videos from now, or at least I'm writing them. I'm doing the treatments. I'm going to find the pretty, like, I don't care. So it's like, it, it, and this is my favorite part. If it turns out shitty, it's my fault. And I'm okay with that. Then make fun of me. And then I can also make fun of me and we can laugh about it, right? Yes. But when somebody else does it and you leave it up to them, so that's why like, I started taking the music videos and just like that made us think like, okay, you know, Dave, you do this. Matt, you do this. Daddy, what do you like doing? Okay, you like that, you do that. And we all just kind of like picked our jobs and now we do that. And it's, it's nice because too many cooks in the kitchen also. If you have five guys doing the music video, then five guys doing the posters and you have all these motherfuckers like... <laughs> We just, you might not line up and everything takes forever and you got to have more conference calls and you yes, got to have, you're like, right. who the fuck wants to be on 50 emails that you don't need. Dude, I can't stand that shit. And you're like, all right, less conference calls. John, you got it. You got all 80 posters. Cool. I love them. If there's one bad one. I make my, my I'm going to make fun of you a little bit, but Hey, you yeah. didn't, you know, 80 posters and 79 were great. You're, you're doing a good job. You know, like little things like that. It's just, it's, it's working better now. Jared, what Striker. music video? of yours was the most expensive probably my sweet summer because there was two of them is that the one the one there there's a skeleton oh is man. that like six figures to make those music videos no no, no. we're all we, we we don't get those that big of a budget I, if we got six figures our videos would be fucking dope they're all yeah the videos they're, are they're good, good. We, we, they're get, we probably good. get like 15 grand at the most maybe 25 grand at the most sometimes that's yeah. still if you add up all the videos yeah. you've made yeah <laughs> that's, yeah that's a lot We've canned one. Like we spent twenty five grand on a video. I think it was My Sweet Summer, and it was like this puppet, and oh yeah, it was gonna be like way funnier. And it, I was thinking it was gonna be better. And the guy told me it was gonna be all this stuff, and then it came out. And it was pretty funny. It was all right, but like I hated it so much at the time because I was so close to it. And um, like looking back, it's not that big of a deal. A lot of things aren't. Um, you know, but I overthink everything. So I canned it and I said, everybody fuck off. I'm going to shoot this video myself. And then we did another one with my friend Wardo and he got on a motorcycle and we found a chick and she was a siren and we went down to Laguna and we shot it in 48 hours. We edited it and we turned it in and that was a video. And then the label was like, this is cool, but we're also going to release this like a week later. And I was like, Ugh! so it's like we spent over on that one. And then, yeah, you know, we kind of get the same budget. Um, I, I try and push for more every time, but they, they haven't given it to me yet. So right. I'm going to push for like a hundred grand. See what we can do. <laughs> yeah. Why not? A <laughs> couple more things. We've been talking a ton about the present, but going back to some of your early shows, were you driving up to the Hollywood area and just hoping someone would be there or how did the ball get rolling back then? Oh yeah. How that was traction. So, so yeah, that was, that was wild. Like we, we had played like two shows and f our manager, cheese found us so we were only like two or three shows into it right like we played a couple house parties but we never played any venues we played like these two or three bars i guess they weren't even really venues um but we had a lot of our friends show up you know and they were kind of these packed houses uh oh, i take this back duddy had started doing party buses up to the roxy <laughs> so like we kind of grew because we would do these these bars and we were like man we could pack like 200 people like 200 of our friends in here 300 like of friends or whatever because it's a long ride from there yeah Honey beach area to hollywood to, to the and there's roxy. a lot of great bands that play the yeah. roxy so you want to so get safe and sound we would book these shows at the roxy and we'd okay we duddy would literally book like three or four party buses himself and then go and get all the money from all of our friends and like pay the whole thing and we would pretty much just bus 
of our whole entire crowd up to the Roxy and then fill in the Roxy and sell it out. And that like got a lot of people's attention. And our manager was like, Hey, what these kids sell out the Roxy. And he, uh, you know, so, and I think that was only like, yeah, that was only a, a, a couple months into it. So I, I lied. We, we, we played bars for a little while and then Duddy came up with the Roxy tour, uh, like right. tour party bus <laughs> idea. And then we started like selling out the Roxy in the Viper room. Because right. We would just party bus our friends up and we found our manager cheese. And within, within a year we were signed to Warner brothers, you know, and then within a year of that, you were we out of Warner brothers because right? streaming. Yeah. But I got to give kudos to Tom Wally and Warner brothers. Cause they were cool as fuck about it. And they were like, Hey man, streaming's here. We're dropping like the majority of our acts that are not giant. We haven't even put in an album with you guys, but we're not going to shelf you. You can have the masters and you can have the album. And we were like, yeah, was that any port in a store? Yeah. Wait, so that was you Tom did Wally it with over there. Tom Wally and Warner yeah. brothers. Yeah. Rob Cavallo as well. Yep. Yep. For, they said, wait, what was the reason they let you go? It was literally like Napster and streaming and pirating gotcha. came out like the fucking like year <laughs> that we were get, supposed to put out. And they were just, they didn't know what to do. Right. They were freaking out. They were like, everybody's stealing music and pirating things now. So they just freaked out. And they're like, Hey, we can't put money into bands that we don't know that are going to make us money. And we got it. We we're like, shit, that's a bummer. And then we we're like, are you just going to sh- like put this in the basement, this album and what's going to go on? And Tom was like, no, man, you know, I'm not going to do that to you guys. Like, here's the album. Here's the masters. Like, good luck out there. Cause I don't Come know what on. the, f- <laughs> yeah, just weird. Like, okay. So we toured off of that album without releasing it for like three or four years until we found another, another like indie label that would drop it because nobody would sign us at the time. So we just like sold physical copies out of the back of the fucking, and cheese band. still was with you. Yeah. And he was supporting. Was Dude, he, he took no commissions, no nothings for seven years. He was are like, yo, you, you guys serious? aren't making shit. You guys aren't making any money right now. There's streaming going on. There's this, I don't know what the hell, but he believed in us and was like, it, yeah, it was something crazy. Like it was, it was a long time. He's like, maybe it was four years, maybe it was seven. I can't remember, but it was a long time before he took a dollar from us, you know, and that's, that's, that's something to be said about a manager, you totally. know, cause he saw the fucking end goal. He was like, Oh, I, I, I get it. And a stick around and do it with us. You know, like that was like something for me that I'll never forget. You know, even when, when we, we you know, we used to have arguments or, you know, he pulls some manager shit. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know at the end of the day though, he's, you know, his heart is good and he's in it for the right reason. He's, yeah. he was with us for forever without even making a dollar. But yeah, we were just on our own. But that was that was the weirdest thing was touring an album that wasn't released for like three years. And then we finally found a label that would put it out and they released it. Uh, and then that's when Lay Me Down happened. That's when Lay Me Down yeah. happened. Yeah. Wow. And then things on started accident. going for you. Yeah. But you had four or five or six years of playing shows under your belt. Playing the same album. Playing the same album. You better have been good at after that. <laughs> <laughs> we were so fucking sick of that album at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that's wild. What a great, great ride. Yeah. Congratulations right? Fuck, man. on all your success. You deserve it. You earned it. You guys are talented as hell. And you and the community of Dirty Heads fans, I mean, they have your back and you have theirs. 100%. And it has been a marathon. And again, awesome job in every possible Thanks, way, man. man. Yeah. Now it's midnight control time. Yep. And it's crushing, so we're stoked. All right. And if the if life's been good, keeps going up the chart, I will not text you. Yeah, I'm, don't let me I'm know. I'm not going to text you at no, all about it. No, only until it hits number one. 
Okay, then I'll send you a bullseye. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, yeah, I'm just going to send that. you a bullseye. Yeah. Okay. And I'll know. You yeah, wanna, yeah, I won't even respond. Three? How about yeah. if it goes top three? That'd be dope. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, well, the thing is, is, I'll know. I'll hear it. The guys are going to like, the, the guys are going to let me know. You know, <laughs> like we get emails. Like, so we just got added to like some big um, hits uh, playlist thing okay. on Spotify. It's like 34 million. Wow listeners or subscribers yeah. or what it's like one of the biggest playlists on spotify and they sent out this email and i'm like cool i didn't need to know that <laughs> you know right. like right. i'm so glad that's that's super awesome like let's just keep going like i don't want to pay attention to that shit blinders on what's next or what do i need to do right now well you're killing it congratulations Thank you, man. eight full-length albums yeah out there you guys are bigger than ever and it's because of all the hard work and the dedication and the cohesiveness with the guy i agree i agree thank you Thank you, brother. All right. Midnight Control is the album. That's been another episode of Tuna on Toast. For Jared, I am Stryker. Happy snuggles. Bye-bye. Oh, happy snuggles. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> happy snuggles. Bye-bye. <laughs> Cut! That's another episode of Stryker's Tuna on Toast. Promise it'll get better. Most likely. For sure. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs>